Bible readings this morning are going to be brought to us by Seb and Evie, if they'd like to come up now. Um, the first reading will be from Romans chapter 6, verses 3 to 9, and if you'd like to follow along in your Bible, it's page 1033. Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him, for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. Um, today I will be reading John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. And if you want to read along, you can go to page 1082. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Well, as we uh, continue our Beatitude series, the Beatitude that we're looking at uh, to finish off our series is this. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, we're going to uh, finish up our Beatitudes series and if you haven't heard at all or, or listened to it all, I do encourage you to uh, maybe get onto the podcast and, and listen to that. Over the next three weeks, uh, we're going to have some independent sermons, just looking at some teaching of Jesus. Uh, on Father's Day, uh, we'll uh, have a service related to uh, Father's Day. And then after Father's Day, can you believe I'm already starting to talk about Advent, which is the preparation for Christmas, uh, but between Father's Day and Advent, I actually thought we might look at the book of Joshua and have a look at how uh, Moses commissions Joshua to take the people into the Promised Land and enter into the inheritance that God had prepared for them. And uh, as I've been thinking about what we might do next as a church, uh, I think there's some great lessons to be held 
as Joshua prepares the Israelites to take up their inheritance, maybe we could see that the church is at a point in history where it needs to move into its new inheritance in a new season. So that's what we'll be doing. And then can you believe we're, we're already starting to talk about Christmas services and um, uh, Christmas falls on a Sunday today, this year. So that'll be an interesting uh, arrangement of services for us. How about I pray and then we'll get into the Beatitudes. Gracious God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would uh, bring our minds and hearts to this uh, teaching today. Would your Spirit be illuminating the Scriptures for us? And as we reflect on the way of the prophets and the hope that we have in eternal life, may our hearts be tuned to following Jesus and the mission that he sent us on. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Uh, this week I actually attended a funeral of a, a friend from a previous church who had died of cancer. Uh, and I'm not sure the last time that you went to a funeral, but these two readings that Evie and Seb read out for us are actually readings from the, the prayer book that we often suggest to people to read out at their funeral. And I'm not sure whether you heard those themes there. Uh, and again, I don't know how long it is since you've been at a funeral. But it's interesting because this beatitude that we're finishing off with is actually pointing to eternal life. And I shared with you that I don't often talk to you about Judgment Day and other than funerals, I actually don't talk to you much about eternal life. And so I thought it'd be important for us, as we think about this particular beatitude, that we actually speak a little bit about what happens after we die. Because I wonder whether sometimes we only hear these themes of judgment or eternity at a funeral. And sometimes we're so struck by grief that the hope of eternal life is one of the few things that gives us comfort at that time. I know as uh, we were uh, celebrating the life of Bruna Beavis on Monday at her funeral, um, and she has a, a, a son in year 11 and, and a daughter who's second year out of school, that the grief was overwhelming. And in a way, potentially the only comfort to, the, to the, the, the haunting question of why would this happen to such a young person uh, was the comfort that Bruna won't be suffering anymore in eternal life. But that clouds our understanding of eternal life when we're so struck with grief. So this morning, as we unpack uh, the teaching of Jesus and maybe have, have, have these themes sitting with us, we can understand a little bit more when we've got the distance from grief, about what happens in eternal life. So the book, the reading from Romans, actually reminds us that when we are baptised with Christ, we also participate in the death of Christ. It's, it's kind of like the, the, uh, the, the, the reading from last week, where we're, where, where we're persecuted, not... not I said quite crudely last week, we're not persecuted for being an idiot, we're actually persecuted for sharing the good news of Jesus and when we participate in sharing the good news of Jesus, that challenges some people and that challenge is what 
leads to us being persecuted for our faith. And so Romans is kind of reminding us, if we participate in the baptism of Christ, we participate in the death of Christ, that's actually an assurance that we participate in the resurrection of Christ. So our baptism should remind us of the eternal hope that we have. And again, I'm not asking you to be uh, fluent in in the liturgy of a funeral service, but it it says in the funeral service that as you were baptised into Christ, so may you rise with Him. So the baptism is a reminder of our eternal hope, and that's what our Romans reading has. And so if we're looking at this beatitude, if we're to follow Jesus and to share in His suffering and persecution, the hope is that we will then participate in His resurrection, will participate in eternal life with Him. And, and John's reading has this own image of our reward in heaven, which I'll get to a little bit later, but it's this idea of a house with many rooms where we'll dwell with God forever. And so, Romans and the reading from John, which we read out today, is reminding us that, that when we participate in all of the things that Jesus asks us to do here on earth, there is an re- eternal reward for us. But in this beatitude, it's an interesting little thing that Jesus adds into this beatitude. He says, um, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. That, that's, that's the good news. So, what's the sting in the, in the tail? He says, for the same way they persecuted the prophets before you. So, not only is Jesus saying, if you follow me, you'll suffer like I suffered, you'll be persecuted like I persecuted, but the great news is that all of church history and all of the history of the Old Testament is that those who spoke the good news of God, calling people to repent, were persecuted. The way of the prophets that we read about in the Old Testament is that the prophet comes to warn the people that they're drifting from the way of God. The prophet comes to warn the people that they're drifting from the way of God. And what's interesting is that the people of God don't want to heed that warning. They don't even want to hear that warning. And so, the prophet who comes is often persecuted. And it's not all bad news, often the warning uh, that comes is a warning that society is going in a direction that's not healthy for its people, this is in the Old Testament and so it's actually in their best interest to return to what the prophet is calling them to do. It says in the Old Testament, you know, don't follow the the, the pagan uh, gods, it won't go well for you. And so, when some of the Israelites have a bet each way, following Yahweh and the pagan gods, thinking, well, surely one of them's got to work, it actually doesn't work. You've got to be all in with God and that's what the prophets of the Old Testament remind the people. But one of the biggest insults that was given to the prophets of the Old Testament is that they were crazy that they actually didn't know what, they're kind of like an extreme person, that they're, they're sort of someone who's a little bit crazy, we don't need to uh, follow them. It's kind of a little bit like that 
uncle at your Christmas that you kind of go, yeah, they always want to get into an argument, so we just ignore them and just let them have their Christmas lunch by themselves. And, and if we ignore them, then we don't have to have a crazy conversation with them. That's how the prophets were treated in the Old Testament. The prophet, prophet was also rejected because the people were happy living a way that they chose rather than having to conform to the ways of God. And the prophet often was persecuted for that. So the Old Testament is full of prophets, some who we know, some who we don't know. There's, there's lots of prophets in the Old Testament. And sometimes they, they're not known because their life wasn't that long. Imagine going to the king of the day. If we go right through the Old Testament, we, we, we hear the name of a king and most of the time it says, and they didn't follow the ways of God or they did evil in the sight of the Lord. So imagine being a prophet saying, um, king with all power who can kill me, um, you're not going the right way, God wants you to repent and turn to follow him. It doesn't always end well for a prophet. Last week at our 6pm service, we had a visiting guest, uh, Len Turner, and Len Turner spoke to us about the mission of Isaiah. Isaiah served through four kings and called the Israelites to repent through four kings. And he had to persist with this uh, mission of being a prophet through four kings, almost until nobody was left following the ways of God. And Isaiah was criticised, rejected, considered crazy by the people. But do you know what? Isaiah was right. Isaiah was correct in what he was calling the people to do. He's uh, mission to serve God and call people to repent or they'd be taken away, he was right. And it actually makes him one of the most quoted Old Testament prophets in the Bible. And that's the way of the prophet, unfortunately. They're rejected in real life by those people that they're supposed to be passing a warning to and it's only future generations that can look back and see with hindsight that the prophet was calling them to something which was right, and therefore they made a hero in their death. John the Baptist is another one. He's a New Testament prophet. He's probably considered the last great prophet because then we have Jesus the Messiah, and then Jesus ushers in the kingdom of God. So, John the Baptist is out in the desert calling people to repent and he's baptising people in a baptism of repentance. But what do they say about John the Baptist? Well, he's that crazy guy, he eats locusts and wild honey and he dresses in old camel skin. But he was insulted as the crazy person and yet he was right. He knew that the kingdom of God was at hand, the Messiah was coming, repent and prepare the way for the Lord, he was right. But the interesting thing is that he never gets to see the full ushering in of the kingdom of God because he's killed for his uh, calling the king to, the, uh, to repent. So it's often the way of the prophet. They show the correct way but the prophet is often uh, killed and then after their death, they're shown to be correct. I wonder who the prophetic voices in our world are today. 
perhaps we don't know because like most prophets, they're actually people that we see as a little bit crazy, a little bit fringe, a little bit misdirected. They're not considered mainstream enough to be a mainstream voice. But unfortunately, like most of the prophets throughout history, it'll only be after their death or after they've been shown to be correct in hindsight that we'll realise their great wisdom. Maybe we could look at... um, away from mainstream religious leaders and maybe even look at the people who mainstream religious leaders are critical of and there might be a prophetic voice for our day. I know he's not dead yet and so it's sometimes hard to call someone a prophet in their own day but I think of somebody that I know I know and I've met and seen his ministry and that's Sandy Miller who was the, the the vicar of Holy Trinity Brompton in the 80s, when he saw that the movement of the Holy Spirit was sweeping through the church, he wanted to get on board. There's a great uh, story from uh, Nicky Gumbel where Sandy Miller's church was so small that uh, he asked Nicky Gumbel to have lunch with him and Nicky Gumbel said to him, well, when are you available? And he opened his diary and his, his whole week was vacant. That's how small his church was. But Sandy Miller knew that this movement of the Holy Spirit was something that he needed to get the church on board with. And what did the Reformed Evangelicals think about that? They thought charismatics were crazy. And yet, Sandy Miller was right. Not only did his ministry create space for Alpha, which has literally brought millions to faith in Jesus, but Holy Trinity Brompton has now planted and revitalised over 140 churches across the UK. Luckily for Sandy, he didn't have to die before he saw uh, the fruit of his prophetic leadership. The way of the contemporary prophet shows us how to live in the now and not yet. As we transition to thinking about eternal life, we have to understand that we live in this now and not yet. I think I've spoken to us about this before, but the idea is that the Kingdom of God is ushering in as we see the world as it is. And as the two overlap, we live in this transition zone of the now and not yet. We see the Kingdom of God breaking into our world, but we also know that the Kingdom of God won't fully be realised until Jesus returns. And so, we live in the reality of some things living in the Kingdom of God, and some things in the fallen world. So, the Kingdom of God is a reality that we can live into. The life, death and resurrection of Jesus changed the world forever and there's signs that that is breaking into the world, transforming the world. But the Kingdom of God is not yet because we still see death, we still see destruction, we still see sin in the world and we still see violence in the world. We live in the grief and sadness that our world doesn't fully reflect the nature of the Kingdom of God. And perhaps that's why we still need prophetic voices in our world calling us to the way of God. Because we need a constant reminder of the ways of the Kingdom of God and not just focus on the death, destruction, sin and violence. Over the past 10 weeks, as we've looked at the Beatitudes, that is a way of us seeing about the Kingdom of God breaking into our world. The prophetic voices 
call us back to the ways of the Beatitude. And so as we live out the ways of the Beatitude, we do have this hope of eternal life. That in some ways, as we live out the Beatitudes, we actually see it play out in the now and not yet. There are some ways when we live out the Beatitudes, we see immediate response from that. When we bless people through pursuing righteousness, through being meek, through uh, grief and mourning, through pursuing justice, we actually see the results of that in the now. There are times where we see the Kingdom of God breaking in and in many ways the reward is now. And, And I think God blesses us with some reward now because He knows we can't live without any reward now and just having future hope. We need the now and not yet. The, rea- the reality is that what, when we do what Jesus says, there is an impact in the now. But Jesus reminds us that great is your reward in heaven. And I think He finishes the Beatitudes with great is your reward in heaven because we don't sometimes see the full reward for righteous living in our world. There are people who live a righteous life and don't get any sign that that's making an impact in the world. There are people who are being all of the Beatitudes and there doesn't seem to be a reward for that in our world. It is hard to be a Christian in our world today. It is hard going to see fruit from our efforts and our labours. I desire more and more people to come to this church and to hear the good news of Jesus. We've been praying for it regularly ever since I came here. Even before I came here, you've been praying that more people would come to know Jesus. And sometimes we can think, why aren't we seeing the the reward from our prayers and our intentions? And I think Jesus says to us, great is your reward in heaven because we sometimes don't see the reward for our efforts in this world. I don't have to tell you this because you would see it in your own life. But just a reminder to us, just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean you're going to be wealthier than other people. Just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean you're going to be happier than other people. Just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean you're going to have any more greater sense of purpose in your life than other people. We know people who don't follow Jesus and live an unethical life and they're wealthier than us, happier than us, more connected than us. And they would say that they have a greater sense of purpose in their life. Why is that the reality? I think it's because we live in the now and not yet. For some people who live an unethical life in this life, God will catch up with them on Judgment Day. And when we might get a little bit despondent and sometimes feel a little bit frustrated that people get away with evil in this life, that's when we need to be reminded that not only do we have to sit in judgment, uh, before the judgment seat of God, but other people will as well. And so when we see other people succeeding, when they don't follow Jesus, 
I think the important thing for us to remind ourselves is we need to wait for that day where Jesus will look at us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. When we get to heaven, we long for the day where Jesus will see us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. The reality is, I don't know what our reward will be in heaven. When Jesus says, great is our reward in heaven, I don't know what that is. I've sat through grace and eschatology at theological college and I came away with more questions than I had answers. Even the great theologians don't necessarily agree with one another of what this great will be a reward in heaven. Scholars don't really have an agreement on what heaven will be like or what eternal life will look like or what the recreation of all things at the resurrection will look like. Because the scriptures talk about the recreation of all things, they talk about uh, eternal life and they also talk about heaven. But we know in John's Gospel, a passage that's used in funeral services, we read that there are many, many rooms in my Father's house and Jesus goes to prepare a place for us. So is this the great reward in heaven that Jesus talks about when we follow the Beatitudes? Perhaps it is. For many people, they'll see a reward in this life and they'll, if they look for signs of the Kingdom of God breaking in, we'll see signs of the Kingdom of God breaking in. Remember, Jesus said He would build His church so we should see signs of the kingdom in the now. We will see lives change, we will see people restored, but many people will also experience the pain of the not yet. We'll see friends and family die young or earlier than expected, we'll see friction and conflict between friends and family, and for some of us, we'll have to wait until the restoration of all things when Jesus returns to usher in the full nature of the Kingdom of God and then we'll see the reality of great is your reward in heaven. But what a glorious day that will be. I know for some of us it gets hard when we don't see the reward in this life. But I do want to remind us of what a glorious day it will be on the resurrection when Jesus returns and we get to spend eternal life with Jesus. That's our reward for our good and faithful service here in this life. And so in the meantime, until that day where Jesus returns or we get to go and be with Jesus through death, in the meantime, we pursue the Beatitudes. These are seven verses of Scripture that make a profound statement about how Christians are to lead their lives in the world where it's now and not yet. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the Kingdom of Heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.
if you want to follow Jesus. These are the characteristics that we need to develop. Gracious God, we praise and thank you for your teaching in the Beatitudes. Lord, we pray as we finish this sermon series, these wouldn't just be uh, pithy sayings for us, but these would be sayings that would transform our very character and our discipleship, that as we follow you, we would seek to live out these characteristics in the world. And Lord, as we live in the now and not yet, we pray for your kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven. But Lord, we also hold on to our eternal reward when we come to be with you in eternal life. And we make this prayer in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We're going to have our next uh, song, our next hymn. So as they come to lead us, please stand.